When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, friends, and welcome to A Little More Good, the podcast where myself, Dean Morris, or Diener, and my good pal, Zach Berman of The Juice Truck, explore themes that light us up. Things like human potential, coexisting with our planet and its inhabitants, and the fascinating area where wellness, mindfulness, sustainability, movement, business, and our own evolution and adventure intersect. A Little More Good is inspired by community and our collective potential. It is inspired by those that have walked this path before us, both locally and globally. Our mission is to connect intentionally and genuinely with the goal of planting seeds that foster growth and help us all discover the fullness of our own human potential. So join us as we have fun and meaningful conversations centering on human stories that inspire us to get out and live full, healthy, and meaningful lives. Our intention is to create dialogue that is not only interesting to listen to, but inspires you to take what you've learned through the conversation and apply it to your own life in a meaningful way. So let's get to it, and together we can create a little more good. All right, welcome back everyone to another episode of A Little More Good. We are here with our good friend Philson. She's uh, joining us today to talk about all things running, uh, BIPOC culture, your own personal story. You are uh, an accomplished runner. You've run ultra marathons, and I know that you've got your sights set on a few more uh, running endeavors as well, which we can dive into. You lead something amazing called Project Love Run, which we will again uh, talk about and hear about. And yeah, we're just excited. We've connected a little bit on and off this um, last spring or early early spring with uh, a Harry Jerome run event, 
And it's just so cool to actually be able to sit down with you and, and chat with you and hear more about the story that you bring to the table. Um, here on the podcast, we always um, champion human stories. I think one of the best ways we learn um, to grow as individuals and to see our own blind spots and to just hear about a different way of being in the world is to share human stories. And we can connect regardless of gender or religion or race or where we come from, those human stories touch all of us in the same way. And I feel like we just become better as a result. So we just want to hear your story and, and share it with the people that are listening here and um, yeah, give you a chance to just promote and celebrate what you're about and um, yeah, see where the conversation takes us. So thank you so much for joining us and uh, yeah, let's, let's dive in. As always, I'm here with my good pal, Zach. Howdy, howdy. Yeah, and we'll uh, look forward to, to chatting with you about all things Filson. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. I love chatting about running and um, sharing my stories of running and self-discovery through running. So I'm excited to get the conversation going. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so um, to rewind it back to... Uh, your origins. You were born in Somalia, mm -hmm. grew up in Kenya, yeah. and moved to Canada when you were in your early adulthood or late teens? Late teens, yeah. Nice. I was born in Somalia and then um, we didn't live there long and when the civil war broke out we moved to Kenya and actually I, I remember a lot more about Kenya living there for almost 18 years before moving to Canada than I do of Somalia. Yeah. So I identify as a Kenyan, Somali, Canadian, Muslim, black woman. Um, and yeah, coming to Canada, we it was just me and my sister first and we moved here for, for our education, further studies. Um, didn't know what to expect because it was the first time leaving home and what we were familiar with and just going to a new foreign place. Um, luckily, we had a family from my, my dad's side living in, in Canada that uh, introduced us to the culture and lifestyle here, but it was still a challenge. And even though we moved here in our late teens, I was 18, my sister was 19, it still felt very, um, very scary, mm. you know? Um, I feel like life in Kenya very different from life in Canada and you know you're you're brought face to face with this new independence and way of navigating life and whereas in Kenya you know you have that familiarity your friends and, and family to help guide you so here it was just the two of us in this new world trying to figure out life and um, we were coming here expecting to start our uh, post-grad going to university but then we had to do another year of high school to get some credits oh no way and you know you leave high school thinking <laughs> you're never gonna oh, go no. back yeah. and you're like bye and 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 so we had to make new friends in high school and just like live that life for another year yeah so it was really tough but you know I'm really grateful that I had her with me to to make things easier yeah and make the new experiences a lot more bearable yeah that's wild and so where did you where did you come to where in Canada did you arrive like 
Mississauga. Mississauga, <laughs> Ontario. <laughs> Amazing. Just a little different. Very, than very suburban. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was just like very different from what we were used to. But it was also very different from Toronto. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we lived in Mississauga for maybe a year and then um, ended up moving to Toronto and living there for the rest of the years until I moved out west. Right. But living in Toronto was very different because, you know, you have the city life and it's and things are close enough that you can get around easily with transit whereas in Mississauga you need a car to get around and yeah it's just a bit boring and big box stores and nothing much to do yeah and and was there um when you first moved to Mississauga was there a a big Kenyan community there or, or were you guys really on your own there was actually a big Kenyan community we found out but not soon like uh, it took a while to get adjusted and figure out the place and um, the I think it was my third week of the high school I met this Kenyan girl and we've been friends since that uh, up until today Amazing. Um, and yeah she introduced us to the Kenyan community that was in Mississauga yeah and yeah that was that so kind of going back to um, growing up in Kenya, like um, just from like a running side, when I think of, of running, I think of so many of the legends that have, have um, you know, you know, Eliud Kipchoge probably being the, maybe the most famous runner of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's done such a beautiful job of, of you know, celebrating and sharing his, his Kenyan community and how he's, he lives his life there. Like, uh, um, like I, I watch his run camps on YouTube and all this stuff. Um, growing up, did you feel, um, did you witness kind of that running culture that um, we see at all the big races now? <laughs> Only on TV, oh, not, yeah. not in in the city. So we, I was we lived in Nairobi, the okay. city, and um, you know it's funny. A lot of people when I tell them that I'm from Kenya, they automatically assume. Oh, you must be a fast runner, <laughs> Kenyan, like the Kenyan runner. Excuse me. <clears throat> I think there's even a and, book like run, like about Kenyan running. Yeah, yeah. And and so I, uh, that was something I had to overcome because that wasn't my experience with running. Yeah. And running is only something that I started to do fairly recently, like eight years ago in my late twenties. So back in Kenya, um, in the city, primarily. Um, most of the people don't run. Yeah. You know, it's it's the cities are not designed for for recreational running. There're mm-hmm. not a lot of green spaces, and then there are concerns about safety and security. Like you you don't stay out late because it's not that safe. Um, so the what people see of the world elite runners coming from Kenya, that's only a small percentage, and majority of them don't live in the city. And you know, Kenya being a former colony, it's a society is structured in, in, in that type of way. It's very classist society. And so um, running is something that you don't typically see most people doing because they associate it with being poor and low mm-hmm. income and that's your means of, of getting around the city. And so that's how a lot of people associate running with those negative notions of that classist society. Um, 
so I moved here with that idea that running is not something that you typically do. Right. You do it in school as a form of activity, but yeah. outside school, you don't do it. And, hmm. and I started to like be drawn to the sport for other reasons when I was dealing with depression and anxiety and trying to like use it as a form of therapy to help me cope with the depression I was going through. Right. Yeah. Well, I think we definitely want to circle back to that because that is such a key yeah. theme of your story. And I think for many of us, like many people, if you're a runner, there's there's some element of like, it's physical fitness, but mm-hmm. it's like mental, emotional, spiritual, like it's holistically, it does something to us. But I just think it's so interesting that like growing up, you have these people like you'd watch on TV, or not you, but like, you know, all of us, we watch these Olympic athletes and you don't think that's like that's not the norm but for it's so easy for people to say oh like mm-hmm. people like Kenyan people are must be fast runners right which yeah. plays into like the whole stereotype yeah. and like pigeonholing a certain yeah. people group or whatever but that even within Kenya like if you were out on the street running through Nairobi people would be like what's up with that like mm-hmm. why or make a negative assumption mm-hmm. about you mm-hmm. because oh that person obviously can't mm-hmm. have a bicycle or a moped or a car or whatever so mm-hmm. they have to run and then on the flip side, like in our North American context, like someone running through the city in the middle of the day is like a symbol of like privilege. Because exactly. they're like, oh, they can like take their lunch break. It's... They can go for a run on their lunch through downtown yeah. and like shorts and those mm-hmm. shoes. And it's just, it's so interesting that something contextually from one place to another has these total different meanings. Mm-hmm. And, and yet it might mean the exact same thing for the person doing mm-hmm. the actual running. Right, yeah. maybe this release, this freedom, this liberation of. Mm-hmm. But just as you were saying that, I was like, oh, that's so interesting. That like, out in the countryside, those runners are celebrated and like the country's heroes. But if you're doing it in the street, in the city, it's like, what's this? So what's why this? are you doing it? Yeah. Why, who's chasing you? Yeah. The questions you get yeah. asked, you know, like why are you running? You can drive or take a bus, and you'll get there faster. Yeah. You know, it doesn't make sense to most, and. Um, there's not that element of, uh, you know, the well-being and mental health brought into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I only started to learn about that and the positive effects of that while doing it in Canada as an adult. Right. So, so when you went, when you've gone back to Kenya and now you've got this identity as a runner, mm-hmm. have your, your friends or your family kind of like <laughs> questioned this, <laughs> given the context that you just shared? Yeah, my parents questioned it a lot. They never understood it. And also, too, because, you know, my culture, mental health and mental illness, there's still that stigma and you can't really talk about it. So we never really did talk about what I experienced. And still, t- until today, it's difficult to, to talk, have that conversation with them. Mm-hmm. But they knew I started running as a way to help me cope. and. Um, they, they would just like ask me where I'm going when I'd go out running and I'd be running on the street and, and main roads and everyone would be looking at me like, what is this person doing? <laughs> hmm. Why are they running? I would get all these weird stares. So it's, it's unusual in that context and it's very important to, to look at that when you look at running, considering the different contexts and what it means in different places. And um, that's where like, um, intersectional framework is important because you you start to pay attention to the many identities people have and Mm. how that informs their way of experiencing life and 
interacting with the world around them. And it's really important, especially with the work of diversity, equity, and inclusion to consider all those elements as well. Mm -hmm. Something as simple as running all of a sudden becomes not just, it's not so simple. Mm -hmm. We have to understand and unpack some of the layers and stuff that goes into who's running, who's represented in running, what does it mean to to have the privilege to just go out, mm. you know, in the middle of the day or start your work day earlier and take a long run in the morning. Yeah. yeah. And if we're not aware of it, you, you'll never ask the question or you'll never think about it in terms of like who, how is the space accessible to mm-hmm. people? Hmm. Do you want to unpack that term, <laughs> intersectionality? Or, or what, yeah. was it, what was the phrase you used? That... Um, intersectional framework, using yeah. that to understand the complexities in society. Yeah. But then intersectionality is also something else that um, actually was, identif- was coined by Kimberly Crenshaw. And um, she was using it to help folks understand where gender and race intersect. Um, to help draw attention to the unique experience of black women with racism and sexism. And those intersections is what she was trying to highlight because they often go unnoticed and unseen. And um, it's important to draw attention to that because I find my personal experience really highlights that as a you know, a hyphenated identity, being Kenyan, being Somali, being Canadian, being Muslim, being black, being African, all of those pieces really bring a different element into how I experience my life. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, being a Muslim woman, I don't necessarily wear the hijab, I don't wear it, but I practice Islam, and people looking at me will not see that unless I tell them, oh, I'm fasting during Ramadan. And so, you know, how do those different identities inform your sense of being and, and, and how you like, take up space and is important to, to be aware of. Mm-hmm. That's good, thank you. Yeah, I think it's a term that we hear lots and we're hearing more and more, which is a good thing. But I often fear that like, it's just kind of one of the, it, it can become a buzzword mm-hmm. where people throw it around or say it and, and perhaps the intention is good, but the understanding isn't fully developed. Mm-hmm. So I think even just hearing it again okay. is like really helpful to be like, oh yeah, this is, this is the work is understanding that all of us, regardless of who we are, like come with this complex layers of personality and layers of, you know, yeah. what we bring to the table. But for others, there are many, and some of us collectively like choose to see or not see, or celebrate or not celebrate, mm-hmm. and that impacts mm-hmm. all of us, but yeah. like some people certainly more than others. Yeah. So it's a good reminder. We we talk a lot. Um, there's lots of conversation about the intersectionality in food, just being in in, in mm-hmm. that realm. Um, you know, similar conversations, but um, I think it's something that needs needs more conversation with more people um, because there's, you know, when we pick up a potato or an apple or whatever, there's a lot, there's, there's a story to, to mm-hmm. where that came from and, and I think that's often missing. Um, you know, there's, if you unpack the history of that apple, you know, you're not just having an apple, there's the human experience attached to it and, yeah. and it's not always one that, um, you know, we're both, you know, plant-based people and we, the, the term in the vegan community gets thrown a lot, you know, cruelty-free. 
but if you bring you know the human experience into how that food got to you it's not it often is you know the opposite of cruelty free there's there's lots of mm-hmm. injustice that comes along um, with how that food arrived on your plate so I think like across the board it's a conversation that um, needs to be brought into all of our awareness um, so we can make you know decisions with more consciousness of, mm-hmm. of how we're interacting um, with each other and with you know the um, whether it's clothes or food or whatever yeah. we're bringing into our life I think yeah. uh, there, there's layers that um, need, need to be explored absolutely <laughs> yeah and I, and I haven't thought of that on a running side um, you know beyond what I've been reading about what's going on in the states and 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 in Canada like we're, we're not a innocent country by any means but mm-hmm. um, kind of thinking about the perspective that you just shared of of running in Kenya versus running in, in Canada um, like one being you know a privilege and something we do for our well-being and one being like you know so attached to class and and maybe uh, a means because there is no car or scooter or bike um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. So you grew up in this, you know, this country, as we mentioned, that has this, from a North American perspective, such a rich running history, but you didn't really start your running journey until you came to Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, what's funny, I was thinking back, um, and this came up in another interview that I did, like, um, what was my experience with running as a child? and. I think up until I went to school, I loved it. And then I, I think the way it is in, in phys ed classes, it's, it's, you know, you're rewarded for being stronger or faster. Yeah. And then if you're not, you get picked last in group sports and, and, and things like that. So I was the one picked last oftentimes because I, <laughs> I didn't enjoy, like, Doing those activities, and um, I didn't, I, I didn't like how it was um, so like structured that way, and it was all about performance. I just like to have fun and do it for fun, but then it changed once I was in school, and so I, I tended to avoid all types of physical activity yeah. as a young kid and I would like do more of my, my journaling or reading and or nerdy types of activities. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting how that changed when I came to Canada and um, as a personal trainer, I got into fitness wanting to um, be more healthy. Yeah. And then my understanding of health changed as I experienced an eating disorder Mm -hmm. and realized that you know the fitness culture is so loaded with uh, toxic ideas of of what healthy is and its association to thinness and and whiteness and all of these things came into play to affect my disorder and so yeah, my mind shifted and I've started to do more research into better ways of understanding what health is and how health can be for everyone at every size and more inclusive. Mm. And um, I think that's also informed my running and how I run nowadays. And I, I run for 
you know, that connection between my mind and body and just allowing myself to really understand how my body gets to do all these great, amazing things that I put it through rather than um, doing it for a certain goal, losing weight, getting fit, getting lean, reaching a certain time or personal best. Yeah. I've switched focus. Yeah. Mm. It's like that question that people ask, regardless of where you are in the world, and it might have different meanings behind it, but lots of times people will observe observe someone running and say like, why are you doing that? And it could be from a perspective of like, why wouldn't you just take the car or the bus? Or it could be someone being like, oh, why would you spend your lunch hour running? Or why would you wake up in the morning early to go run? But like that question is I think so central is like why do you run and and for a lot of people and even myself like when I first started getting into it I was like oh I was playing competitive sports I stopped I kept eating the same way I was but wasn't training at all and all of a sudden there was more of me than there should have been (laughs) and then I was like oh I need to run to lose weight and it was like I hated it I hated doing it Mm -hmm. but I was like committed because I had this ideal of like what I needed to be in order to be like happy. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even about health. It was about like, oh, I've, I don't feel happy because I'm like too big. And so then I was out there like hating running, but committed to it. And then somewhere in like sticking to it, I realized that I actually really loved running. And then I started to pursue it just for the purpose of going for a run, not for any of, you know, X, Y, Z, like benefit or whatever, or, or goal. And I think that like that really set me free. Mm-hmm. But I think for each of us, like we have a, a why yeah. for why we run, and and it felt like you were you were getting there. So what is your what is your why, Philson? Like what uh, <laughs> or how or what what was did it start as something and has it changed or shifted? But like if someone said, why are you out there running? Like what would you what would you respond with? Well, now it's to fall in love with myself because mm. I discover a new side of myself in, in all my runs and um, I run for that reason now whereas before I was running away from a lot of things a lot of my inner demons and mm. I didn't want to confront them and I was distracting myself with running fast and running all these road races that will get me fast times and, and all of that so it shifted because I realized that I couldn't run away from my problems for so long and I really need to com- needed to confront them. Mm-hmm. And I think subconsciously that's why I picked ultra running and trail running because I think doing those um, active, like doing ultra distances in a trail setting, you're really, I don't know, you you're out there in nature and you're forced to just look inwards and just confront everything you're dealing with in order to move forwards. And I started to um, change my attitude towards therapy and, and even just my belief of what mental illness was. And it, running was my gateway to seeking counseling in a sense. So. Yeah, it allowed me to see that I needed professional help to really help me find the tools to navigate life at my like difficult, most challenging moments. Right. Yeah. It's like it's like running to you get a coach to help you like get to the next level physically. Mm-hmm. 
right and there's some things we know okay if i just do do these drills or whatever but like sometimes we need the professional to say oh here are some things you can do here i will help you guide you in this way and same goes for our mental health right like we can read books we can meditate we can pray we can do all this stuff but sometimes we need other people to help us mm -hmm. get there like break through the barrier get to the next level yeah right i love that what you said too it reminds me of one of my favorite running songs is by by stick he's the mc from uh, dead prez and he came up with this like whole workout um album and one of the songs is called run and he has like charlie dark on the uh, start of the album or start of the song and he says some people are running away from themselves mm -hmm. and some people are running towards a better version of themselves mm -hmm. and just as you said that I was like I think we start uh, isn't that great I love it every time I listen to it I'm like yes yeah. but I, I feel like we start often like running away from something mm -hmm. like I don't want to be this person so I'm going to run away to mm -hmm. try and get somewhere else but really like if we stick to it I think like you said you can't be out on a run, especially in the trail for ultra distances and not just have to go in and confront yourself. Yeah. That's, I love that. Yeah. I feel like if anyone isn't a runner and is listening to this, like that's the best endorsement to, oh, yeah. to go for it, right? Because what you discover, the self-discovery, mm -hmm. and, and as you said so wonderfully, I think learning to, like, to fall in love with yourself again is so important because I think often we see running as a way of like, punishing ourselves yeah. oh, I ate too much cake or yeah. I you know haven't been to the gym in a week I better go for an, a, a long run and it's punishment it's not self-love mm -hmm. versus saying my body can do this and it's good for me and it feels good yeah, yeah I really I love I love that <laughs> so so to kind of rewind it back to the origins of that um, I either on one of your podcasts or one of your articles I was reading that um, you know you got into running after you know a difficult breakup and you're you know dealing with some depression and um running was was the gateway that you know led you to your your personal wellness so can you kind of um and we're, we're already kind of t touching on it but can you share what um what that experience was and um you know running as a as a form of therapy and um as a, as a gateway for mental well-being mm. um yeah i i never growing up i never had um an understanding of mental illness and what it was or even the language to describe anxiety or depression and when i experienced it i remember the first time i experienced an anxiety attack I didn't know what was happening to me yeah. and I didn't even know how to talk about it and so I just pretended like it didn't happen and then I picked up running and yeah. started running and it made me feel good but then I was like just using it as that distraction okay and just not really getting to the root source of what my problems were but then um you know, not really tackling that and what the root causes of my problems, my depression, anxiety was, um, led to other problems and right. the eating disorder in my late 20s and my, when I turned 30, um, when I started to struggle with binge eating, which became uh, bulimia. I realized that, you know what, what I'm doing, something's wrong here. I need to find a way through to myself to be able to move past this and to heal 
And so working with a therapist, but also running at that time, because I moved to Vancouver in 2017, and that for me was, you know, where most people would look at my life and be like, she's at her peak, because I was on the cover of Canadian Running Magazine at that time, but internally I was really struggling, and I thought that moving to Vancouver would change that and help me feel better, but it didn't because I wasn't, again, targeting the root causes. And so running out here in a new city and running on trails and doing these ultra distances, I was like, I need to be well inside to Mm. be able to continue to do this if this is what I want to do. And that forced me, like just gently pushed me to seek the help that I needed. Mm. And then speaking to a therapist and, you know, telling her, about all these things and you know sometimes I didn't even know what to say but I cried and just having that space to just let it go helped me realize that you know it's okay to feel this way it's not your fault and um, she actually encouraged me to start directing my journal entries towards me and then I started to write these love notes to myself and that's how I started um, my journey into like the 100k I, I set myself the goal of writing a hundred love notes and then running a hundred kilometers to celebrate that love for myself. And then I did that uh, and, and it was in 2018 I did the Diaz Vista 100K. Yeah. Um, but at that point I had written already more than a hundred love notes to myself. Yeah. And so this became really like a journey to, to celebrate that self-love. And then I DNF'd in that run. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, people look at that as, as something like, you know, like a failure. But for me, I was really excited to even have been participating in that race. Because yeah. I was the one of the very few women that had signed up for the 100K. A lot more women had signed up for the 50K. And then, again, you know, just being the only black woman doing the 100K, it was a huge achievement for me personally and you know mentally physically I was like I've come to this space and I'm doing this and I brought myself to this place where I can really love myself Mm. and um, yeah I was just overwhelmed and it gave me the confidence to just keep working on myself and here I am yeah it's like a, a DNF in a race when you're the runner it's always like oh right but Whenever I hear the story, because I've yet to like tackle my first ultra, mm-hmm. but whenever I hear someone say, oh, I did this race or did this run and I DNF'd, and it's kind of like they're like a little bit like ashamed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, who cares? Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> like, I wish I could say, oh, I totally yeah. DNF'd this ultra. Yeah. And I know that if it happens or when it happens, I'll be like so bummed mm-hmm. not to have made it. Mm-hmm. But like in some ways, if you step back, that's the goal is yeah. like, we're never finished. Mm-hmm. We're never finished running. We're never finished like working on ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Until we cease to exist. Mm-hmm. There's always, there's always a new finish line for us to like chase that's further mm-hmm. than our ability. And that's why we gotta like keep moving and keep tra- mm-hmm. training or going or seeking the help, right? Is mm-hmm. we're never, you've never arrived when it comes mm-hmm. to like working on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so in some ways, like a DNF is more badass than. Oh, yeah. Then, like, finishing it and be like, yeah, no problem. Like, I did it. That was easy. Yeah, right? <laughs> and and the celebration in it is, like, to be able to finish and not necessarily hit the goal or the target, but not be 
down on yourself, mm-hmm. but to celebrate. Like, like how, how far did you go? You probably went an insane distance. Oh, yeah. It was 83 kilometers. Oh I was running for, I think, at that point, 14 hours. And it was the first time I ever ran 14 hours, oh, even amazing. 83 kilometers. That's so. amazing. Yeah, see? It's like, I mean, if you told someone, like, it's so funny, like, Dean's saying, like, we get attached, I mean, to this idea of, you know, finishing or failing or whatever but like if you told someone you ran over 80 kilometers they'd be like oh my god that is yeah. insane like, amazing in a week at once in a month like yeah, what are you yeah. talking about at once if i ran 80 kilometers in a week or a month i'm like oh, that's a good month you yeah. know like yeah. and it's so funny like in life i think one of our biggest learning opportunities is through failure you know like um whether it's business like that's mm-hmm. how we go and evolve like you're a personal trainer, like, if you're trying to hit fitness gains, like, you know, if you're trying to max out your bench press or whatever, like, you're going to fail to, to grow. Um, so I think that's another kind of one of these things we need to pivot our, our um, you know, societal um, view on, on failure is, is where we grow and where we learn mm-hmm. from versus, like, it's not, it's not the end. It's often just, like, the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um can you can you kind of touch on that like how failure can actually be such a learning opportunity and a growth opportunity to for self-discovery and for self-growth yeah i mean just the dnf itself uh looking at it as an achievement instead of a failure and considering how you've grown to reach that point and all that you put in all the training because it's months of training to get to that point and that doesn't count for nothing right it's it's like you know hard work and so failure is is i i find people are starting to change their perception of how like they they understand failure and i think that's great for all because um then you're not so hard on yourself and you just realize it's part of being human and it's it's just life mm. you'll hit those bottoms and you just work your way up yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. did you feel so good at that 80 plus kilometer mark when you're like okay i'm done like <laughs> <laughs> no it was different story um it was the cutoff time i didn't make it on time okay. at the cutoff station gotcha so. I had to stop, but if I could, if there was no cutoff time, I would keep, keep going because I was, I was like really feeling strong at that point. Yeah. And um, yeah, I could have kept running, but you know, everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, yeah. I, I remember um, I really enjoy cycling as well. And when I first got into it um, with my business partner Ryan, we were doing our first like we hadn't really trained or gone for rides, and we signed up for. I think it was like a hundred kilometer ride, which is like the same as your <laughs> run, which is crazy because we're on a bike going downhill like half the time. And I remember like we just got over a hundred kilometers and we were like so proud of ourselves and like there was, you could go longer, like the full race was like 160 or something like that. And um, I think we'd set like the mental, we're like, we're going to get to a hundred and we kind of set that barrier because we kind of gave, gave voice to it. And I remember... We got past and we we're so excited. My business partner, we're going up a big hill just after 100 kilometers, and he's like, Burn, I'm out, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I look back on the hill and he's just like unclipped and like so happy. Like, it was, it was pretty funny. <laughs> Made the goal. Um, anyways, 
to think that like 100 kilometers was like the longest bike ride at the time that you like basically ran that is so crazy <laughs> well yeah i remind myself that that most people don't do this right so, yeah you know yeah this is superhuman and when you started like um like 5k probably felt like an accomplishment so mm-hmm. to like what? Yeah, when I first did my 5K, it was a night race, and I was um, very new to running at that time, and I even uh, called it a marathon, <laughs> like, you know, I yeah. did a 5K marathon, and someone yes. corrected me, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm not going to say that next time, yeah. but you know, it's just like excitement, because you're, you're trying new things, and it makes you feel a certain way, it gives you confidence to keep trying and so yeah I think that's such a nice like um you know allegory for life like I think with running you know you start with 5k it seems impossible uh what do you always say the uh oh yeah it seems impossible until it isn't mm-hmm. right and it just yeah. kind of like allows it's a allows you to have confidence for other things that seem impossible mm-hmm. in life whether it's like a job or a relationship yeah. or you know travel or whatever I think like yeah. running can give you confidence for so much more mm-hmm. yeah. it's a good teacher in life Definitely. It just, you can tra- like it translates a lot of the things you learn in running into everyday life yeah, yeah. have you found that like um, being able to accomplish these lofty goals in running has given you courage to go after other lofty goals outside of running absolutely yeah um, I never thought that I would be an entrepreneur and you know explore that whole new terrain and um, I think if it was like I owe it to running to have opened my eyes to new possibilities for myself and um, as a business owner for Project Club Run you know yeah. it's because of running so mm-hmm. yeah so cool. take risks it's made, made taking risks a lot more easier yeah right yeah for and sure. less, less scary yeah and failure less scary exactly yeah well that's just it right like i think you can you can run be a be an avid runner or just getting started and we all have good days and bad days where one day it just feels like everything's working and the next day you go and you're like why does everything hurt or not work or like why does it feel so hard today or you know you plan to 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 make it to the end of a race or a certain distance or whatever and we don't make it we miss it because running is challenging. Mm-hmm. And then it just reframes, as we were saying earlier, it reframes yeah. failure. And then so we transpose that into life. You can see, okay, yeah, like how do I pick myself up after this failure, after this didn't go the way I thought? It's the same as like, man, the last 10K felt like a breeze and today is like struggle fest. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to never run again because one run was hard. Mm-hmm. But so often in the life we try something and it's hard and it doesn't go the way we thought we'll never pick it up again, right? And we miss those opportunities to show up and mm-hmm. do do something cool in the world, whatever it might be, right? By being a little bit more resilient. But what, um, what's it like for you? Because I think this this factors into like Project Love Run and, and a lot of your story. Coming back to the piece of like intersectionality, you mentioned being the only woman and of course, the only woman of color, the only black woman running this 100K race. So where, when there isn't like people that you can look to that say, oh, here's a woman who's like, I can identify with on like multiple levels doing something like this. 
there's like a pioneering spirit in you, I think. You talked about with your like entrepreneurial kind of thing with, with Project Love Run as well. But what is it like? Is that a motivator? Does it feel like a, an extra challenge to look to look at the landscape of running or ultra running for 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 sure and see that it's like it's pretty Caucasian, like it's mm-hmm. a pretty white sport. So when you show up and bring all of your to use your language like your hyphenated self there and make space and show up, what what is happening in you? Is it is it like a confidence booster? Is it extra challenge? I'm so interested to hear you share about that. Yeah, it it motivates me to want to take up the space because I know by doing so, a lot more women like myself who can identify the same way will want to be there. So that representation piece is really important. And then, of course, it's challenging and it's scary being the only one doing so. But, you know, I've I've learned... um, to use my voice and to to like you know create the space for others to you know share their stories and to uh, use their voice too and how important that is and in in your self confidence mm. and, and your uh, journey and um, other people see that and can relate and so by doing it I'm just making space for others to do the same. Yeah, That's cool. I think it's such an important, like an important work, an important thing that you do when you show up, right? Because coming back, even our earlier conversation, we'll look a lot at like runners from Kenya and Ethiopia, these places, and we'll say, "Oh man, they're like the they're the best runners in the world. They're elite, and they are." And then we look at the average trail race or city marathon, and it's again like it's diverse depending on like the city you're in, but like. It's it's not fully represented re- represented of all of the cultures and people that we have in our city or in our spheres, and I think that there's a lot of work that can be done yeah. on like the large level of event organizers, brands, representation, but even like locally with run crews and run clubs, mm-hmm. and like just creating space and paying attention mm-hmm. to like the intersectional piece where yeah. how what are our barriers maybe. Like that we don't even see that are keeping people from being here it's a lot of the time folks forget and think it's like you know who's missing and just focusing on that whereas they don't focus so much on the barriers that is stopping people from coming into these spaces so tackling both i think is really important Mm. and making making sure that there's nothing stopping people from coming into these spaces right it's like we say everyone's welcome so like what it's not our it's the onus isn't on us for people to show up now they can show up we've said everyone's welcome but there might not have been the internal look at are are people actually welcome here and And, and yeah I've, i've i've noticed that like that has been very problematic i find saying you know running community for all or a running group for all when it's not reflective of the reality you know who's there it's predominantly white able-bodied lean thin um, people Mm -hmm. so you cannot say that and reflect that it's just it doesn't work so work you have to question why it's that way and what barriers exist 
and then try to disrupt that and target that instead. Mm -hmm. So, you know, rather than focusing on the experiences of the BIPOC, focus on the white privilege that exists, that makes, that normalizes these white spaces because, you know, targeting that root cause is, again, really important and really key. Yeah. That's so good. Uh, that's so much work to be done. Well, it's true, right? <laughs> so I, I pre, pre-COVID and hopefully post-COVID, we, we have a run crew here. We just meet out here at Steveson Run Crew. And we've always said that it's our goal to be like the most inclusive running group in the city. There's really only one, so it's easy. But meaning like kind of en masse. And we were really uh, inspired when another community started in Vancouver and said, we want to model ourselves after you guys because it feels like you're, you're the closest thing to like, you don't have to be a runner to come to the group. So we have people who walk mm. and walk run um, or show up after just to like say hi to everyone because maybe they're injured or maybe they didn't feel like coming out that night. And so, you know, myself and, and Rachel who, who co-leads it, we sat down and said, how, what's going to make us feel like our our crew is the most successful? Is it having like the most people show up to races or this and that? It just wasn't the nature of our community. And so we're like, what if we just made it a space where like non-runners and runners and anyone could come? So we have like people come and push their stroller and go for a walk. And so it's really cool to to see that, but recognize that there's still like this is this is like a white community, and so when you know you scroll through or like instagrams like is it is the work done mm. no like is there more for us to do yeah and is there maybe some uncomfortable questions like for me even as one of the leaders cisgender white male like mm-hmm. is it time for me just to like step back and like empower someone else to lead it so there's lots of work i think that it's like the race right we're never we're never finished mm-hmm. we got to keep dnfing yeah. and then realize where can we pivot how yeah. can we be better yeah, and then making space for that discomfort too and mm. having those different difficult conversations and facing that reality and just stepping away from that uh, first reaction to be defensive and, and that guilt that you experience and, and allowing um, you know other people to uh, tell you what's going wrong and, and listening to them, you know, not just taking a stand and being like okay it's not my fault that this is a white community and because it's really easy it's really easy to make all the excuses of why it's not Mm -hmm. us like it's not anything we're doing Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and uh, yeah and and through project club run it's just you know putting people in in those settings where they have these conversations tackling um, difficult subjects a lot of the times because that's where you grow and that's where you learn and Again, we're only human. We're going to make mistakes, mm-hmm. and that's natural. So, if if someone's listening to this and they have a run club or or wanting to, um, you know, evolve the the run club experience to be more inclusive, do you have any advice um, that you would share that you know might make people uncomfortable or might um, you know shift shift this the space a little bit? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, to, to speak honestly, I I also too have only recently started to have these yes. conversations, but um, 
I think something that run crews should avoid is is having that banner run running for all when your group does not reflect that necessarily and then if it's not reflecting that ask yourself why what barriers are preventing others from coming out and try and work to break down those barriers but also involving those that are not there like those missing and not in those spaces asking them seeking them out mm-hmm. and doing so in a meaningful way you know not just asking them to be present and because they're black or indigenous or disabled asking them to come as who they are like how they identify and they bring their experiences too because you know that it's going to bring value to your run group and it's going to help overcome barriers for others mm-hmm. there so making sure to avoid that tokenistic behavior that yeah. we've seen happening a lot by inviting not just one person from a different community or different background but inviting more than one and and seeing how you can break down those barriers using the voices of those that are not present there and having them guide you instead of centering yourselves in in that space being like being the dominant group there mm-hmm. don't center yourselves let them sh- guide you and to show you what's wrong with this space mm-hmm. thank you for sharing that yeah <laughs> but it's so important and i think like it transcends running and run groups yeah it's it's like it can be as personal as peer groups mm-hmm. right like who who do you choose to be with or or not be with mm-hmm. or brands you choose to support brands mm-hmm. we exactly where we spend our money what how we operate our businesses so yeah. it, it's like it's easy to say oh yeah the cool cool the run clubs can work on like mm-hmm. you know diversity and inclusion and, and representation in a in a real genuine and authentic way but it it's the work that all of us can do all the time with the dollars we spend, the businesses we visit, yeah. the way we conduct ourselves mm-hmm. in our own workplaces and everything. Mm-hmm. And so, again, like the lessons we learn on a run, they aren't just for running. They, they trans- mm-hmm. transition so well into everyday life. Yeah. And this one especially, right? Yeah. Like we're, there's a, It feels like there's a heightened awareness now of places and spaces where people are and are not welcome mm-hmm. in spite of what the banner might say. Mm-hmm. And then starting to ask the really important questions mm-hmm. and uncomfortable ones to yeah. say, how do we how do we make the picture match what you're saying here? And then, yeah, mm-hmm. listening yeah. And, and doing the work is like so key. Yeah. yeah. So, so to talk about one thing that you're doing and doing well, um, Project Love Run. And I love just saying it. Like it's just one of those. Like I, when I first discovered your Instagram, I'm like, oh, I like, I want that on a hat and a t-shirt because it just makes me happy saying it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, like, love and run, and mm-hmm. um, it just sounds so beautiful together. Um, which you know, when you have that, it kind of gives you an instant attachment when it brings you joy by just saying it out loud. Um, but talk us through creating Project Love Run. Uh, what Project Love Run is about because I think, you know, it obviously is, you know, you're doing what you're, you're kind of talking about. You're, you're walking the talk, obviously. Um, but it's such a beautiful thing. Um, I mean, I'd, I'll, I'll, I'll let you share kind of how it started and, and um, kind of what your values and goals and 
and what project Love Run are? Okay, uh, well, I started it in 2016, and this was after one of my uh, races that I did, and um, I was searching for a way to merge my two passions of running and working with women uh, as a trainer, and um, we, I met up with a couple of friends and we were having conversation and we were talk I was single at that time and we were talking about online dating and the struggles and challenges with that yeah. and and then we had brunch afterwards so we did a run and then we had brunch afterwards and then I was like okay this could be a thing mm. we could start this and so um, it was around Halloween and we decided to dress up in wedding dresses and <laughs> run through the streets of downtown Toronto in our wedding dresses and um, the theme was runaway bride but we were sort of turning that on its head and, and symbolizing running towards something greater, a greater love, which is the love you find within. Mm -hmm. Self-love trumps all and, yeah. you know, emphasizing self-worth and, and just sharing stories that touch on those themes and uh, that's how it was born. But, you know, it didn't quite, it, it was, yeah, still growing, it was still an infant and um, I think my experiences even moving here and struggling with an eating disorder is what helped me find the clarity to create that safe space. And um, I was searching for love outside, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. the whole time, you know, doing online dating, my experience with rejection, yeah. and <laughs> swiping partners left, right, you know. <laughs> I was going about searching for love the wrong way and yeah. so when I moved to Vancouver and um, I started seeing a therapist and I started doing trail running and ultra running and just writing those self love notes to myself you know I found out that true magic is that self-love mm -hmm. it's what keeps you going further in life being confident in yourself and knowing your worth and knowing your value, that confidence it brings just reflects and, and um, it makes you more, you know, confident to tackle on anything. And funny story too, in that race that I DNF'd the 100K yeah. after I wrote the 100 love notes to myself, I found my partner and now fiance during oh, that oh. race. So it, it was sort of um, a lesson to me like the world life uh, life showing me that when you put in the work and you work on yourself first you know you're rewarded with that love that you're seeking yeah. but just work on yourself first yes and that is the message that I try to share with the women in the community that mm. come out and do the runs to brunch in Project Love Run is that you know find that self-love and it's again not a destination it's constant consistent work internal work mm. that will let you see your worth and um, just bring you to a better place to be kinder to yourself and so yeah that's so awesome and, and you guys have you know you guys are, are running events in Vancouver Victoria Calgary Edmonton Toronto yeah we're in five cities it's um, 
not in Calgary, but okay. Edmonton. Cheers. But those five cities, <laughs> yeah. yes. Sorry, Calgary. So, Edmonton. Coming soon. Coming soon. Coming soon. Coming soon. Coming soon to, yeah, the goal with Project Clubfront is to have it in multiple cities across Canada and hopefully internationally one day because Amazing. I find that, you know, again, coming back to my hyphenated identity, it's those women that struggle at those you know intersections of their identity that need a space like this to be able to understand and navigate the life that they're living and i think women in kenya would truly benefit from such a space because mm. especially since mental health and mental illness is still very stigmatized in those cultures in kenya i think having this space where you can have those discussions and learn from other women and gain the tools to just navigate your own life will be really really useful so that's so i think it's so awesome it's like the anti typical like fitness training mentality where it's like just you know here's your here's your goal for like your physical self mm -hmm. and like once you reach that looking this way, feeling this way, or having this image or whatever ideal, all of these other issues will be gone because this is the ultimate. And in many ways, like it's changing mm -hmm. slowly, but the fitness industry is like, this is your ideal. Once you get there, you'll be happy because yeah. you'll look nice. Yeah. And you know, until, until you turn like, what, like 50, 60, and then it's like, you're still interiorly not mm -hmm. fit. And I love that the Project Love Run is as much about or more about like loving yourself and doing that interior training and exercise mm -hmm. to air quote it mm -hmm. as is the physical act of mm -hmm. getting out there and running that's yeah. like it's so important I think that's like one of the you know when I was looking into it like that's one of the beautiful ways that I think Project Love Run is such a niche thing that is is like how is this not exploded everywhere because <laughs> all of us need this right and like it's it makes so much sense to hear you say you can't be fulfilled or like find true genuine like happiness and love with others if we don't have it for ourselves mm -hmm. like that's just it's like so obvious yeah. and yet it's it's not like that message mm -hmm. is not out there enough yeah. right and so i think it's so cool that you're like championing it across these cities in in canada and beyond hopefully soon yeah. and i yeah i just <laughs> The importance Calgary of that for sure. That's Calgary funny. for sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's like next week. I think it's launching. <laughs> <It's long. laughs> but I just, yeah, it, it's so interesting. Like hearing you say that, I'm like, how is there such a disconnect in so much of the industry where we don't address the whole self? We just mm -hmm. look at that physical mm -hmm. and think that that's like gonna get us there in terms of how we feel and who we really are internally. Mm -hmm. So you're right, eventually our, our bodies age and we lose our our strength and, you know, one day we'll be like, you know, I wish I could go for a 10K run, but uh, these legs aren't kicking anymore and we'll be left with, you know, what's inside. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if we don't love what's inside, it's, you know, that we'll, you're going to face that challenge at some point. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, well, how much more will we have to offer mm -hmm. if we spend all all of our life training physically and emotionally working on our own mental health and wellness sure like our bodies you know we can't keep up physically 
but if we keep progressing and doing the work internally, mm-hmm. like we, I, I would imagine that we would have so much, you'd be like the sage, right? This wise person that like people want to come to because you've kept up the work, right? And you're yeah. doing it. And you can do that if you're immobilized or mm-hmm. if you're not able to run like you used to. You can mm-hmm. go for a walk around the park with your walker <laughs> as like a senior. And, you know, sure, it's not it's not a 5K marathon or whatever get, get, it might be. Get on Strava. <laughs> yeah, 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 right? Kudos from the... <laughs> 5K walker walk. But you can do that and still be working on your inner self. Of course. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't end. Yeah. Which, which is a whole other thing of how we don't care for our, maybe the wisdom of our, of our seniors in, yeah. in our culture. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But, yeah. but for the here and now, for, for the women to connect, be able to connect with you in Project Love Run, I think is, is brilliant. It's such a brilliant opportunity. And you guys finish with brunch, right? Finish with brunch, yeah. That's so cool. Because yeah. I usually just think about what I'm going to have after my run while I'm running. Like yes. What I'm going to eat. Yeah. So the fact that you have that planned out is genius. Yeah. Well, with our with our run crew, right? We would often do a run, and you're scattered, and you're all you know you run with different people each week, and it's like oh we were we were a collection of runners, but then when we decided let's be really intentional about creating space and community for people, and doesn't matter if you're you know the fastest or the slowest, we're all going to be in this together. Mm. We moved from being a bunch of runners showing up at the same time to do a shared kind of loop or circuit. We moved from that to like what we affectionately call as like the crew now. Mm-hmm. When we started doing social stuff afterwards, like, hey, let's all grab, go grab a beer, or, mm-hmm. you know, sit on the patio or just like, we're gonna hang out in the parking lot after and you, you know, if you gotta go, you gotta go, but let's all just hang and chat. Mm-hmm. And like seeing the connections and friendships develop after the run, mm-hmm. like that's where we, we, we became this like run crew, yeah. not doing the run. <laughs> and it's like the, the trick of it is like people, sure, you know, people like the fitness element, mm-hmm. but you can go for a run by yourself anytime mm-hmm. you want and get the fitness. Yeah. But like that in meaningful like connection to each other is yeah. really what we're after. Yeah. And so when we saw that, we're like, we can foster that. We don't have to do anything. Yeah. We just hold the space for people to get to know each other. And then that's, that's what I love. Yeah. Like as a leader of the, of the crew, I love seeing that more than someone hitting a it's PV, beautiful. right? Yeah. yeah. And also drawing like... Another thing we do in Project Love Run is uh, draw attention to that beautiful connection between the women that come out, but also the connection that you have with your body. So starting a run with a check-in where you do that intentional setting with your body in focus Mm. and just thanking your body for what you're about to do and even at the end of the run, bringing it back to what your body has just done for you because, you know, that's factor in loving yourself hmm. yeah. and then when you guys are having your brunch are you is that connection and conversation continuing you know with with the the pleasure of, of food as well yeah and the discussion topics that we pick and just unpacking it and tying it back to running and how running helps bring that self-awareness that will allow you to have these conversations to begin with that doesn't necessarily happen in other set settings. So yeah, constantly bring attention to those points. Hmm. Cause there's, there's like a permission. I think when people join in and they go for the run and they, they're there, they're not just there to like, you know, do the surface level conversation. Mm-hmm. Like there's some permission given mm-hmm. for you and the, and the team to say like, Hey, let's, 
we're going to talk about these things yeah. today and and it's all it makes it okay it's not like awkward to like jump into something that we typically like don't talk yeah. about right and running allows that and makes it like sort of natural to do be vulnerable and be uncomfortable and so you're already open to having those types of discussions that brings forward your vulnerability and makes you feel awkward and uncomfortable but you just find a way to naturally like dive in mm -hmm. so I think it's yeah it's the running is a key piece and I've had some women ask if they can come out and just do like the brunch part and skip the run and I always encourage them to like try at least yeah. running part of it and then having the brunch because it's so important it just allows you to be more willing to have these conversations mm -hmm. yeah for sure. I think when you're in a group like that, I think, um, and you do such an incredible job of, you know, sharing your own vulnerabilities, mm -hmm. I think it gives people permission to, yeah. to okay. share theirs and um, be aware of their own vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. um, just like scrolling through your, your Instagram. I, I think you just do a great job of that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Instagram, social media. I don't know. I have a love-hate relationship with social media, but... I find when, when I'm true to myself and just stick to that, it's, it makes using it a lot more bearable. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, one, one thing you've, you've mentioned a few times that um, I'd love to learn more about is the love letters to yourself. Um, for those that are listening that, you know, I think we could all use more self-love, uh, can you talk about that practice and how someone could start you know, you know, it sounds, maybe it sounds simple, you can just write like, I love you to yourself every day, but can you kind of share your own practice in light of maybe inspiring others to, to take that on for themselves? Yeah, um, I journal almost daily, and sometimes if I don't, I have like a reflection at the end of my day where I count my wins, and just, um, just the simple act of doing that, acknowledging what I've done in the day is just um, an easy way into that self-love journey. And um, it was never easy, <laughs> I should say. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was hard at first because I was never taught self-love growing yeah. up. And mm -hmm. it's something that, you know, you don't hear many people talk about. Only recently folks have started talking about self-love. And so um, I think by just writing how I feel and giving myself permission to feel that way has been an, an, an easy way to express love for myself and um, being kinder and saying nicer things to myself or nicer things to my body, especially on, on days where I feel like I hate my body or I... I think my thighs look a certain way or, or you know just trying to train my mind to see things differently and um, with love always be the intention coming from a loving place um, I think is very is a helpful way to do so so journaling uh, grounding myself in those love notes, um, reading poetry, writing poetry to myself um, has been a way for me to express loving. Mm -hmm. um, also to reading works by Audre Lorde has helped and Bell Hooks because they do a lot of um, 
uh, they have a lot of writings on self-love and uh, just the power of poetry and um, changing your mindset about certain things. Mm. So. Do you ever find you're thinking in poetry while you're running? Like, uh, are there words? Yeah, I, I do. And actually, I was going to share a poem <laughs> today with you both of you um, that I thought of as I did a race last year. It was a virtual race. Yeah. It was the Lululemon Seaweeds yeah. Half Marathon that I did. And I've never done a race like by myself because, you know, races, yeah. you have this crowds cheering you on as you run. So it was a different, very different experience. And um, I wrote something to my body in my mind as I was running and then I went home at the end and journaled it down. So Amazing. Yeah. I'd like to share that if that would <laughs> love, be. I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Okay, so um, I wrote this last summer. It starts okay, get into it. When the only fans in sight are my thighs clapping me onto the finish my body singing songs of love and pain to me and yet still carrying me far. How can I not love this body? I love that. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I love that. So cool. <laughs> Sink it in. Singing songs. Can you read that line again? Singing songs of love and um, pain. Yeah, my, my body singing songs of love and pain to me and yet still carrying me far. Oh, that's amazing. I like can feel that yeah. in myself, <laughs> thinking about running and being like, ow, oh, but like I'm doing this. Yeah. Oh, and the thighs clapping. Because I'm a thigh clapper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, just, that's, that's so beautiful. Just seeing that as beautiful, you know, because, you know, a lot of the times you think of the runner's body. A certain way and so seeing that is beautiful like mm -hmm. encouragement to keep going I think what influence this That's well thank you for sharing that that, that will reverberate I'm sure on yeah. runs I'll come back to that that's really good uh, thinking about what you shared at the beginning being being a, a Muslim woman um, do you there's so many amazing Muslim poets like from the Sufis to um, I feel like listening to that, I'm like you're you're one of the, you're a contemporary of all <laughs> all of these legends. Um, do you ever find um, with your running, is there ever any merger of of your running and your personal faith? Yeah, all the time, especially during the ultras and uh, being out in the middle of nowhere with yeah. just yourself because a lot of those races you know it's there are not that many people doing it to begin with and so yeah you're by yourself in the middle of like some forest in Whistler yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know surrounded by beautiful giant trees and yeah it makes you reflect on your existence in this world and I'm very spiritual and I just think of you know the beauty of all of it and the interconnectedness of all of it and just the higher power mm. making it possible to be there at that moment and yeah doesn't it does really impact my um my, my experience with running and um even even my my cultural background recently i've been doing a lot more research on on somali poets and 
discovered that poetry was really um, influential in Somalia and mm, you know, Somali people are poets in nature because that's how they communicated with other tribes and and so discovering that and just saying oh maybe that's why I'm so inclined to write yeah. poetry to myself that's, that's a bit of my my cultural heritage so. yeah are there any I mean I know you mentioned a couple are there any poets that you want to give shout outs to that um, people can look up if they want to you know share your your inspiration and love yeah right now I'm reading Audre Lorde she's written a couple of um, amazing poetry yeah and um, Lucille Clifton as well um, Adrian Rich yeah there there are many but my favorite right now is Audre Lorde because cool. I'm actually reading a book of her selected uh, works nice cool. Very cool. Um, well, obviously, we're kind of in a, you know, a bit of a standstill with with COVID. But um, you know, projecting into future years, um, what are where do you see, you know, your own your own running goals going? Project Love Run going? Um, you know, anything beyond running your your forthcoming poetry book? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would love that. Actually, that's something I would really love to explore is like putting together a collection of my yeah. poetry that's helped me over the years. Um, yeah, it would be quite I'm giving exciting. you a nudge. I'm saying <laughs> do it. Honestly. Yeah. It would I, be I, so good. I would love that. And then with Project Lovra and of course, it being international is yeah. the goal. Um, but right now, just really focusing on ensuring that it's like a solid foundation so that I can then have it in other cities and um, my running goals I would love to do another 100k race yeah. in the near future once they okay the races um, do, you have, do you have anyone specific on your bucket list? Yeah, the WAM 110k so cool. I signed up for that soon after I DNF'd the last yeah. one in yeah. 2019 and then pandemic happened in 2020 yeah. so the race got postponed but I think there's a 50-50 chance it might happen this year okay. and so I've been just training continuing my training for that and um, I'm setting my sights on on even longer like 100 milers for for the future yeah cool. <laughs> amazing so inspiring thank <laughs> you yeah I can't wait um, Dean, do you have any other questions? Or I think, uh, well, before, I know we like to do a little rapid fire, if that's what yeah, you like. Yeah, yeah. But before we get there, I, I just want to say, like, I have two daughters, and I think it's so awesome that there are people like you in the world that I can point them towards, you know, as people who, who have done hard things and championed self-love and champion a space for themselves as a woman and a woman of color. I mean, my children are little Caucasian girls, but as a woman in a space that's tradi traditionally dominated by men and white men. And so I just, I love that you're someone I can say, you know, when they get older. And my youngest daughter loves to run. So I just want to like keep not being the dad that's like pushing her into it, but she just loves it. And so to, to point her in the direction of someone like yourself or something like a Project Love Run, it makes my heart so glad to know that there's like a space like that where they could find 
not from mom, not from dad, but like through themselves, like how to love themselves mm-hmm. and how to grow into that. And so I'm so deeply thankful for you and for the work you're doing in the world. And I hope not just for their sake, but I hope that for so many people's sake, so many women's sake, Project Love Run just continues to grow and touch and reach so many people that there would be, you know, little little groups of, of women running and having brunch all over the city, all over the world, mm-hmm. looking out for each other and making space to grow through self-love, through running and connection. And so, yeah, I'm... I'm cheering for you so hard <laughs> for them and for all of the people that you've connected with already and will yet to connect with for what's ahead with you too. So I just wanted to, to feed that back to you and just say, I think it's been such a privilege. And I kept thinking like, oh, my girls, this would be so perfect. Like when they get to that stage of awkward teenager. And mm-hmm. But yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to echo that, like, yeah, we're, we're both very inspired and, you're doing incredibly important work, so we're we're grateful for for you and for your time and your space. Thank you. And um, definitely gonna nag you to uh, come on some runs with us in the future. <laughs> maybe not eighty two k. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it'll have to be short. But okay. maybe eight point two. We can work out. Maybe maybe uh, you'll inspire us to, you know, increase our dial and get to that. Uh, Keep going. Keep, oh, keep going. I would love that. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll take you both up on that offer. That would be love so that. fun. Amazing. And then maybe some food after, because yeah. that's the tradition right here. Yeah. we got to do it. <laughs> uh, we like to close things off with a little rapid fire just for fun. Um, put you on the spot with it. a few quick questions, if you're cool with that. Yeah. All right. Um, I mean, you've already mentioned a few great books and some poets to check out. Um, but I'm always curious um, if you were to gift a book to you know your Project Love Run crew which book would you choose to gift them? Um, All About Love by Bell Hooks Nice It's a beautiful um, take on, on modern day love and, and loving and what that means and um, for women especially cool. and also for men you can learn a lot from it too definitely um so i would definitely recommend that book nice and a lot of her um writings in in that book influenced my um my formation of like the the mission for uh project love run well. amazing okay yeah. gonna put that on my bucket list of books to read uh, the list the, the, list. List, the never ending always growing list especially having two young kids it's just it, it's growing and not uh, not being written but that's cool it'll be there yeah um, any uh, favorite TV shows right now um, oh wow Netflix has a lot um, yeah it sure does so right now I, I'm binge watching it's an old show uh, this is us. Nice. Oh yeah. I never watched it. I never got into it, and only recently started watching it. And I've been enjoying it. It's it's quite in- interesting. Yeah. yeah. My wife watched that one. I would always know she was watching because she'd be crying by the end of every episode. Yeah. yeah, and it definitely pulls on the heartstrings. Yeah. yeah. My my in laws are watching it, and my father in laws like he's like I can only watch one episode. I just I can't cry that much. He's like I just need to only do one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like okay, maybe I should watch. Yeah. Um, favorite road race you've ever done? Um, it was the 
Definitely the rock and roll Vegas half marathon. Nice. I did that in 2016. It was my first time in Vegas. I had never been and I went by myself. And I did this race, it was in the evening, and there was a Snoop Dogg concert before. Oh my god, come on. Yeah, it was, it was like a party. All the runners were there. Some of them were drinking before the race. And I was like, <laughs> what is happening? But it was so much fun. And then, um, yeah, I wore red lipstick to that race and nice. ran through the, the Vegas Strip. It, I think for that race, it was the only time, or maybe the second time, that they shut down the entire strip because that's where you do the race. Wow! So I got to see the entire city. So and cool! Was, and there was um, at each station there was like performances. There was like a rock band, and they were performing. And it was Vegas. Amazing, <laughs> amazing road race. That's so great. Um, we didn't get into this, but I know you love jujitsu. Yeah. Uh, so, like in a in a couple sentences, um, tell us about your love for jujitsu. It started like a hate love at yeah. first because yeah. um, you know it really forces you outside of your comfort zone. Like right there, you're forced into someone else's um, space. Like like it puts you in that awkward positioning as you grapple with someone else and. If you're uncomfortable, you forget to be uncomfortable and you just learn to get used to that feeling. And um, I took it at first because uh, my partner does it and he said take it for like self-defense at least training so that you have that. And I did, and then I debated about going back because I didn't really enjoy it. And then I went back, but I tried um, a co-ed co-ed class and I was the only um, other woman there yeah. and <laughs> I was like okay this will teach me to get comfortable in very awkward situations fast and I think that's what drew me to it hmm. and um, yeah it's just beautiful the sport and you know grappling has its own um, flow to it and there's that um, what do they call it? It's like the flow state where yeah. you just get into it and um, roll, and it's yeah, it's cool. It's cool. quite nice. Very cool. There you go. Um, music or no music when you're running? Um, I I on my races no music, and yeah. sometimes um, on my shorter runs I do listen to music because it's sometimes hard to get out of the house and I find that the music good playlist pushes me out the door yeah um, yeah the good playlist definitely helps um, but yeah I think there's room for both nice so you've been on a few podcasts do you have like a favorite one that you listen to regularly or one that you'd give a shout out to that we should check out an episode or um yeah I listen to Rich Roll Ooh, <laughs> he's yeah um, yeah, American dude, the ultra runner. Uh, I love his his interviews that he's had. Um, I also listen to Christy Harrison, uh, the food psych. Okay. And she's an anti diet dietitian. Oh, and cool. She she talks about a lot of interesting things from um, fat phobia to body positivity and and all of that. And it's an interesting take on. Um, 
eating and wellness. Cool. And she she uh, really gets into diet culture and how insidious it is. So I would really recommend her. I think she's stopped her podcasting because she's writing a book now. But okay. I think you can find all her older stuff um, archived somewhere. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Do you have any other ones, Dean? Coffee or tea? Coffee. <laughs> I drink tea too, but coffee. Coffee's the go-to. Coffee is, yeah. <laughs> uh, first thing you miss when you think about Kenya. Family. Mm-hmm. Family yeah. For sure. That'll be exciting when you get to see them again. Mm. Um, I think that's all. Yeah, that's it. Those are, those are good. For some good recommendations. Yeah. Make a list. Out. Yeah. For, for those um, that are maybe, you know, new to Project Love Run and, and yourself, where, where can they find you online? Um, for Project Love Run, we've got a website, so projectloverun.com, and then on Instagram, just at Project Love Run, and then my personal account is at Runner's Instinct, and uh, yeah. Very cool. That's it. Calgary, something coming soon, book coming soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Things to be excited pre-order, about. Pre-order. Pre-order. Pre-order now. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us. Um, oh, my you know, We'll continue to follow your journey and uh, cheer you on and um, look forward to sharing some trails together. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.